The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Morning, everybody. When people think about Baja Fresh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, Burger King, Baskin Robbins, they probably get hunger pangs and food cravings, but do they think about how they operate as businesses? Listeners might after today's show, and I'm really pleased to have the king of franchise law, my pet name for Barry Kurtz. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Cindy. Um, are you all ready to entertain our listeners and educate them in terms of the fascinating business of franchise? Absolutely. I'm going to condense 30 years of experience into uh, less than an hour. Okay, with with the commercials, mind you, yes. So this is the show to listen to. Barry is certainly an expert. And I think before we start asking Barry questions, I think I'm going to have Barry define the difference between a franchisor and a franchisee. I know that people in business have certainly heard the term franchise. And some people who are business savvy, you know, probably know what, a franchise might be in two or three simple words, but they certainly don't understand the complexities of the business and the history of the business. So I'm going to have you answer, uh, make that distinction for us early on in the show. Sure. A franchisor is a business person that gives another person the right to use their name and operate their business under that name. So an example would be McDonald's, Burger King, Baja Fresh, uh, companies that uh, give licenses to other people to operate the business. The franchisees are actually the people who are in the business, operating the business on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so, you know, you when people want to um, become a franchise as a franchisee, they are, it's beneficial for them to hire you because you know everything that the franchisor is going to demand in the contract. That's the case. Um, when, when someone wants to become a franchisee, uh, generally they're given a document that's called a franchise disclosure document, and that's a document that complies with various federal and state laws that the franchisor gives the franchisee. And my job when I talk to someone who wants to buy a franchise is to analyze that document and make sure they understand what their obligations are going to be and what they're going to get into for the next 5, 10, or 20 years. And due to the fact that it's a regulated business now, and we'll talk about the history um, in a few minutes, um, you can't, a fran- when a franchisee is hiring your counsel, 
you're basically telling them how they have to comply with the law. There's really no room for negotiation. You can't be terribly entrepreneurial and say, hey, but I want to sign this document and, you know, but I don't, I, I don't want to abide by this stipulation because it's regulated. Well, absolutely. Uh, in most cases, uh, larger and more mature franchisors uh, really are not willing to negotiate the terms of their franchise contracts. Uh, alternatively, when you wind up with uh, perhaps a new franchisor uh, who's only been franchising and selling rights to operate their business for a few years, uh, they're a little bit more anxious to get franchisees into their system, and they're open to negotiating certain terms. But in essence, the franchisor has to comply with the laws, and they really don't have the ability to negotiate deals on a deal-by-deal basis because the states and the federal government say that they have to have one set franchise disclosure document. Okay, so now for the history. In this segment, we're really talking about a definition of the franchise business. It, it was very interesting to me, Barry, to learn that the regulation and of franchises is, is, is fairly new. This is not something that goes back to the Industrial Revolution or prior to that. This is something that is 20th century development, correct? Right. Exactly. Um, franchise law really started uh, uh, to spread back in the early 70s. It was around 1972, 1973 that California enacted the first uh, franchise registration, disclosure, and relationship laws. And the reason that happened was because there was a lot of companies out there that really didn't have the financial ability or strength or experience to be in the franchise business. And they were selling franchises more as scams rather than as serious business operations. And there were people who were giving up uh, tens of thousands of dollars to a company that they thought was going to help them open a business. And in many cases, those companies just disappeared and never provided any support or any knowledge or any business uh, at all for these franchisees. Now, was Mini Pearl Chicken an example of why regulation was necessary? Yes. Uh, Mini Pearl Chicken uh, came out uh, in the late uh, 60s, early 70s. And uh, they had some restaurants uh, down in the south, but they started to sell franchises across the country. And this is one of the uh, scams that I was mentioning before. There was really nothing there. And uh, people paid good hard money to buy a franchise and wound up uh, with nothing. You know, that's really pretty frightening. It's sort of like, you know, the Bernie Madoff scenario. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, it's another reason why uh, when somebody is looking to buy a franchise, it's always good to talk to a business advisor. You think? That kind of experience because it may be that uh, they're talking to people who are just there to take their money and not give them anything back for it. I want to just interject. This is Barry Kurtz, and he is really one of the few sole proprietors that handle this specialized law, um, franchise law, and, you know, I have to say that you have a very, very impressive client list. Do you want to share, you know, some of your clients? Because it's like, whoa, I mean, you have everybody, all the big guys. Well, you know, I've been very fortunate over the years, even though I've always had a small practice to have national and international and regional clients. So I represent uh, Baja Fresh and La Salsa. Uh, Coco's, Caro's, uh, Conroy's Flowers, 1-800-Flowers, uh, various companies in the food business. 
Although flowers isn't really the food business, is it? No, that's more of a retail business. Unless you really have a craving for flowers, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. Well, it's interesting. I would think that most people that think of a franchise um, probably think of fast food because it's, you know, there's so many franchises in the fast food business. Absolutely. And when franchising started, it was primarily in the restaurant business. Uh, That's really where it got its start. But, um, you know, people don't realize that, you know, the darndest things can be, you know, franchises. Um, you know, uh, a plumbing company can be a franchise. Oh, absolutely. Um, There's a lot of uh, service businesses, especially in the last uh, five to ten years uh, with technology expanding like it uh, has been. Uh, there's many companies out there that provide support and training and teaching for computers, education, and other kinds of service businesses. So it's not uh, just restaurants and, and retail stores. All right, just to be a little bit repetitive, but to sort of summarize, um, I think people may figure this out, for, but for people who are just joining in the show, um, as a franchise attorney, what is the main objective of what you do day in and day out as a franchise law firm? Well, day in and day out, uh, I'm there to protect my clients. Uh, I protect my franchise or clients by making sure they comply with all the state and federal laws that are there regulating the sale of franchises. And the fran- I'm sorry. No, please, continue, Barry. On the franchisee side, uh, we're protecting our clients from uh, not knowing what they're getting into for these long-term contracts. So we want to make sure they know exactly what's expected them over the years of the franchise agreement. And then uh, we also represent uh, buyers and sellers of business chains, restaurant chains, retail chains. And what we do there is make sure that all of the documents and all of the practices of the franchisor before our buyers get involved uh, complied with the law so that there's no surprises after they take ownership of a franchise or company. And I guess your measurement of success is when everything goes smoothly in all of these transactions, huh? Absolutely. And um, just also the, the knowledge that uh, we've done good work for clients over the years. We have some clients that we've been representing uh, for over 25 years. So uh, we, we feel very confident that we're doing good work because they've been with us for that long. I want to just end this segment by asking you a question that I I think you like. You get very bubbly when I ask you this, and that is, what is your favorite part of the business, Barry? My favorite part of the business is just seeing growth of these companies, being able to drive up and down the street and and see companies that started really with nothing that are now major players in their business field. Uh, I represented El Pollo Loco when they had one restaurant, and uh, you know now there's a chain of in excess of 300 restaurants. And that I mean, be, and you you watch it. You remember it when there was, you know, just one little place, little mom and pop shop, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So and then you watch them become. Really, you watch uh, their monopoly money increase. Absolutely. Incrementally, it must be very satisfying. Well, why don't you give everybody your website? It's a great website, um, and it's very informational. I might add, it's not just uh, look at me. There's a lot of newsletters and information that goes more in-depth from the questions that I'm asking today. So go ahead and give it out, Barry. Okay, it's www.barrykurtzpc.com. Okay, well, I want everybody to go and take a look at that. In the next segments, we're going to continue with Barry um, Kurtz, and we are going to talk a little bit more about how things work from 
the franchisor's perspective and a little bit more about the franchisee's perspective. I want everybody to stay tuned because we're also going to talk about how the purchasing and sale of these businesses take place and how Barry is involved in it. And then we're going to talk about some fun models like how franchises work internationally. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken comes to mind because coming back from China, we were amazed at that strategic alliance and why Kentucky Fried Chicken may own that space while others don't. And um, stand by, stay tuned, and we'll have a lot more fun information with Barry Kurt. Stand by. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Barry Kurtz, the king of franchise law. And, um, Barry, we covered a lot in the first segment. For those who are just coming in, we really get basic and define the 
the franchise business in the first segment, and feel free to go back and take a listen, although we might go back to some basic facts throughout the show. Um, Barry, you you have some impressive certification. Aren't you one of, you know, a few lawyers in the state of California that has this, you know, fancy certification? Absolutely. Uh, state Bar of California set up uh, a specialist program several years ago for uh, franchise law attorneys, and I'm one of 31 uh, specialists who've been certified as a franchise lawyer here in California. So I would say this. If you're looking for a franchise lawyer, um, don't go with a transactional attorney that really doesn't have this kind of certification. There's a reason why um, certification programs are designed and awarded, and it's because specialists really know the latest and the greatest, and you'll probably end up spending less money in the long term because things don't have things aren't messed up and revisited, right? No, absolutely. I've I've had experiences with clients who have worked with uh, very good transactional lawyers who had no knowledge of franchising and wound up getting their clients uh, in a little bit of trouble. So. Uh, it's so this always is good not to talk your, to your basic transactional agreement. Um, you know, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies, as you'll learn in today's show. Of course, I'm going to be stoned now by every single transactional attorney that I'm around, and you know that I'm around a lot of them. But, hey, <laughs> yeah. I, the truth is the truth, right, Barry? Absolutely. Um, so what has been the background experience of those people ha- who have been um, successful in the franchisor role? Well, generally, uh, a successful franchisor has a proven business before they start selling franchises. And they'll uh, open multiple locations and uh, fix all of the problems that they see come up over a period of years so that they don't grow and learn on the backs of their franchisees. By the time they sell their franchises, they've pretty much got a good system down. And number two, and I think uh, just as important, they're very careful who they sell their franchises to. Uh, there's many companies out there that are so anxious to sell franchises that the only qualifications are a heartbeat in the checkbook. But the good franchisors really look into the experience, financial capability, and uh, uh, willingness of the franchisees to work within a system uh, when they sell their franchises, and they're the ones that are most successful. And can you provide an example of a franchisor that failed? I know we talked about the mini pearl precedent before, but maybe you have something a little bit more current on how you would have advised them differently, which may have allowed them to succeed. Well, I think the one that most people would know about is Krispy Kreme. Uh, that uh, franchise exploded over the country uh, not too many years ago. Uh, the franchises were sold to people who are primarily uh, uh, developers who had the ability to open a number of stores and what they did is wind up spending in excess of a million dollars to open up many of these stores with the production facilities. Uh, When that was working fine, they uh, seemed to ruin the ability to continue to sell out of those stores by selling their donuts on a wholesale basis uh, to anybody and everybody who wanted to sell donuts from gas stations uh, to other markets and uh, anybody on the street that really wanted to sell them. So 
what they did is they eliminated the customer's need to go to the stores uh, by putting their product all over the place. And, well, uh, they, and, well, they they did, and it, it, it really wasn't a smart business decision because it, what we call it in branding is diluting the brand. You have a powerful brand that you can only get at designated places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I mean, I guess they probably lost the ability for quality control. Well, they did uh, in the sense that the only difference between going to one of their stores and going to the gas station that was selling their donuts was that the donuts were fresh at the store. Uh, they had this little red light that went off every time they had a fresh batch of, do- of donuts. But they eliminated the uh, need for a customer to go to their million-dollar store uh, and allowed their wholesale sales to take their customers away from them to other locations. Well, I guess that the thinking from the franchisor's you know, point of view, and Krispy Kreme in this case, was we'll sell more units um, you know, and we'll get more money. And our distribution is going to increase, and you know we're going to get more money. But when the quality of the brand is affected because Krispy Kreme Donuts is known for being fresh, you're, you're really taking away everything that the consumer thinks about when they're thinking of a Krispy Kreme Donut. No, absolutely. And when you uh, flood the market with the product, um, you stand a chance that at some point the fat is going to fizzle out and... Uh, I mean, how many donuts have you had in the last month? You can only eat so many. No, exactly right. In the food, in the fast food business, I think that the the freshness and the on-site, um, you know, the things that can be accomplished with food on-site that can't be accomplished in other distribution points is just something that's really, really important. It's classically thinking of the short term rather than the long term in any business model. And usually um, that's a formula for failure. Well, you know, there was many factors that, that contributed to Krispy Kreme's problems, but in my mind that's one of the most important. And now Dunkin' Donuts, another donut um, franchisor, um, they did something similar, though, didn't they? They, they started with original stores. And then they start licensing out the brand to, you know, third parties that couldn't provide the same kind of fresh product? Well, but not in the same sense that Krispy Kreme did. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, is a very successful system, and they followed the rules that I mentioned before about making sure their business model was proven and being careful who they sell their franchises to. And although they're in different kinds of locations, uh, gas stations and, and other places like that, they really do, do, do have done that because they're running out of uh, spaces on main boulevards to open up their, their stores. So they've made their product very convenient for their customers, but they've also uh, kept quality control, expanded their menus so that they're selling more items besides donuts. And uh, sure, there's always an operator out there that may not be doing a good job, but all in all, they've done quite a good job over the years in uh, supervising their system. Well, there's an example of of two businesses in the donut business, and one did the franchise thing right, and the other did the franchise thing wrong, being Krispy Kreme. So, um, you know, I guess that that's a good differentiator for you, Barry. I want to ask you... 
Um, we mentioned before that you're one of the few sole proprietors in the franchise law business that, um, you know, you have to compete with a lot of larger firms. And, you know, what are your sell points when you are going for the franchisor business or even the franchisee business um, against the, you know, gigantic law firms? Well, we tend to move a little bit faster. Uh, when people come in and want to hire me, they get me. Um, our pricing is, is very uh, productive from our point of view, but is also more affordable for most people in business, especially uh, startup franchisors. But I, I think the most important thing is my practical experience. Uh, I was a franchisee in a fast food system with some partners for five or six years, and I was also the uh, vice president of operations and general counsel of a retail flower chain for three years. So I like to tell my clients that uh, I've been a franchisor and I've been a franchisee, and I've provided legal advice for franchisors and franchisees for almost 30 years and really understand the relationship and can help them get through the bumps. Now, for the lawyers that listen to my show, and there are a few of them, um, and who, you know, are not certified and, you know, might not know, you know, the, you know, the exclusive points of knowledge that go along with your certification. Um, it, it, it just seems to me that you should, again, talk about what you bring to the table that they might not as well. Well, I, I think, again, more than anything, it's the practical experience that I have. Um, in order to get certified in California, we had to have uh, five years of experience in many, many different aspects of franchise law. And uh, I was able to get grandfathered in because I had 150% of the requirements rather than just the, the general requirements. So when you put that kind of knowledge of the law with the practical experience, I think you've got uh, some real benefits for a client. There, there are attorneys out there who may have worked for franchisors or may have worked for franchisees, but I think it's very rare to find somebody with experience on both sides. I think that's very, very true. And, um, again, um, give everybody the, the web the web URL, Barry, so they could learn more about you? Sure. It's www.barrykurtzpc.com. Take a look at that. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about, and we could start asking some questions now about how to sell, how to buy, and because Barry really understands the ins and outs of both sides of the business, I think that he can provide some um, crucial information, um, and I wanted to ask you, Barry, what you consider most important um, when you get when you're getting involved as a franchisor or as a franchisee, and you can answer each question separately, of course. Um, well, let's take the franchisee uh, aspect of it first. Uh, someone who's buying a franchise not only has to make sure that their contract's in order. But they have to investigate the business. They, they have to spend some time uh, making sure that what the franchisor says they're going to provide, they really provide. Uh, the franchise disclosure document that I mentioned before has a list and is required to have a list of all of the current franchisees in the system, plus a list of all of the franchisees who have left the system for whatever reason over the last year. 
And I always counsel my franchisee clients to go and talk to as many of those people as possible, dozens of them if they can, because that's the way they're going to find out whether the business can be successful and whether or not the franchisor is actually doing what it's promoting itself as doing for its franchisees. All right. Well, we're going to repeat some of this in the next segment because we have to take a commercial break, but stand by and we'll follow up with how to sell and how to buy in the franchise business. Stand by and we'll have more with Barry Kurtz. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The Dream Big Revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the Dream Big Revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Barry Kurtz, the king of franchise law. And in the last segment, we began to talk about how to sell and how to buy um, in the franchise business. And, Barry, I'm going to ask you to repeat some of the things that we talked about in the last segment from 
the franchisor's point of view and the franchisee's point of view in the buy and sell. I told you that we get a little repetitive sometimes for those that are just tuning in. Sure. Uh, Franchisors uh, have to comply with both federal and state law, and those laws require the franchisor to have an offering document called a franchise disclosure document, an FDD. And with some exceptions, they have to give this FTD to every candidate who's looking to buy a franchise. Uh, The FDD uh, has answers to 23 specific questions about the business. And if it doesn't uh, adequately explain the business, then there could be potential liability in the future. So it's very important to make sure that the FDD uh, for a franchisor complies with the law and answers all of those questions and, and gives the information that a candidate for a franchise would need. On the other side, uh, it's important to have somebody review that franchise disclosure document if you're considering buying a franchise to make sure that uh, there's compliance and that the services that somebody would need who's brand new to a business are going to be provided. Uh, the main reason someone looks to buy a franchise rather than start their own business is they're wanting to buy into the experience of the franchisor. Uh, They know that they are supposed to get training uh, in the business and continuing support in the business and advertising on a more uh, large scale than they could do themselves if they were a sole proprietor. So it's important to make sure that uh, those services are going to be provided and provided well. And that's another reason why it's important to talk to the existing franchisees and people who have left the system because this is the best way to find out whether the franchisor is really providing the support, training, advertising, and and whatever else it has to provide on a daily basis. So the number one motivator in this business transaction is probably for the franchisee is buying into an existing model that already works. So your risk factors are really low. I mean, if you... You know, if you're a good business person and you have good work values and apply, you know, common sense and, you know, good work ethics to um, a franchise, you know, most likely you're going to succeed in many cases because, you know, you are buying a business success formula. No, absolutely. Uh, The government did a study many years ago uh, that said that uh, 95% of new businesses went out of business within the first five years, Um, but the numbers were uh, flipped over and uh, 80% or so of franchises that opened were still operating after five years. And we're going to talk a little bit more about recessionary times in the last segment, Barry, but um, in this particular case, if a franchise, if, if if there's a franchisee that wants to um, become a part of a franchise, do you think that if a business is established during these recessionary times, the risk factors, um, the you're fairly recession proof? I guess that really depends on what business you're in. Well, it does, and it also depends on expectations. Uh, restaurants, uh, quick service restaurants, let's use as an example, uh, are still doing well. They're not doing as well as they did several years ago. And uh, in order to make money operating those businesses, you really have to run a tight operation because the customer base has uh, dwindled 
and uh, expenses have increased. So, but, but see, this goes back to basic business, though. And I mentioned before, if you know the principles of basic business, I, I didn't say that you really had a fairly low risk or that you were recession-proof if you had no business knowledge whatsoever. But in practical business, I mean, one understands that you have to really adjust um, operational costs based on times. I mean, you could be in the franchise business or you could be in the PR business or you could be in the, you know, apparel manufacturing business. It's um, it's the ability to um, look at what the outside factors are in running a business and how you adjust your business inside. And um, I would imagine that the same rules apply for um, a, a franchisee. Well, absolutely, except you would be amazed at the uh, kinds of people, uh, franchisors who are suffering their own economic problems, will let into their systems. And um, this, you know, it, it's very logical to us, but in the real world, sometimes uh, there are, are many exceptions. Yeah, I mean, I think a classic situation is is like people are sometimes hesitant to um, play with headcount. In, in any business, and um, you know, because you're really affecting somebody's personal life, whether they're working in an office or they're working at a Starbucks, right? So, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes what I've seen in interviewing business owners is, you know, they will bleed themselves because they really don't want to, you know, reduce their workforce because the workforce really has an important effect on customers and who comes into the store. Absolutely, uh, especially in uh, restaurant and retail type businesses where uh, customers will remember good service and they'll remember bad service uh, in, a, in a negative way. So it's always uh, the best uh, thing a, cust- a, a retailer or an operator can do is just give the customer a great experience every time. No, exactly. And um, like anything else, too, it, during these recessionary times, sometimes the owner of a franchise who really wanted to be very, very hands-off when they were buying into it might have to roll up their sleeves and get involved when they were able to hire out before. Am I, does this happen in this business? Oh, absolutely, somewhere? absolutely. There's a lot of people who look at franchises more as an investment rather than as a career, and uh, they often find in, in these kinds of times that they're going to have to get more involved in the business. Otherwise, there's going to be uh, uh, losses rather than profits. Um, it's a surprise for everybody, right? Absolutely. <laughs> what we have to do during these tough financial times, it's all around, but I'm sure that a lot of people didn't really see themselves actually pouring the yogurt mix into the yogurt process machines Absolutely. <laughs> when they were buying into a yogurt franchise. Um, you know, well, without mentioning any specific names, it's up to you. What are the warning signs that one should sell before losing too much? And if you want to give a case study example, that's fine too. Well, you know, if you're in a business and you find yourself uh, not getting the support uh, and attention that you need from your franchise, or uh, it might be time for you to consider getting out of the business because uh, the main factor you wanted to get involved is not there. Um, alternatively, uh, in good times, uh, 
high-volume retail businesses and restaurants uh, are very, very attractive to buyers. And uh, yeah, you may get the highest price you're going to get, uh, even though you're doing very, very well. Yeah, and I'm sure that you're able to proactively jump in because you know the business so well. And I'm sure you provide assistance to those franchisors wanting in or out of the market, right? No, absolutely. I, I have no uh, reluctance at all to tell my franchisor or franchisee clients what I think about uh, their business model or, and what they're doing rather than just their legal affairs. And uh, I think in many cases I've prevented people from buying a franchise in a system that would have just eaten up their money. Well, again, you have the practical business experience that puts you ahead in the game. Just kind of a consumer question, Barry, since you know the business and you watch it very closely. What is happening in the coffee market? It's McDonald's and everybody wants to lure in their customer based on having competitive coffee against the big guys like, you know, Coffee Bean and Starbucks. Tell me what's going on with that. Well, you know, the, the, the quick service restaurants always want to have customers in the restaurant. Uh, McDonald's, when it first started, was just selling hamburgers, but over the years it's added breakfast. They've tried to add dinner uh, menu items as well. So they were seeing that there was a large part of their market going to these specialty coffee, biz- coffee businesses, and they felt that they've got the facility, they can have the equipment, they might as well compete in the business and compete at a uh, a lesser price. So you're talking about very good product that's coming out at about half the price that a Starbucks or a coffee bean is selling their product. And people are already there buying their hamburgers and french fries, so they might as well add the coffee or or, or taste the coffee. And I think that's just bringing customers back into the stores. Yeah, it's just, it seems, and I don't know, I, I guess it's a recessionary reaction because Smart marketers have to do anything they can, like you said, to get them off the streets and into the store. Um, but it just, as a consumer rather than a business person, watching TV commercials with everybody having a hand in the specialty coffee business just really cracks me up. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it's like the marketing part of me that's cracking me up or just the, um, there's a humor in it. <laughs> it's like if something sells well, do it. Well, that, and you're right, and that's happened in the past. There's always uh, copycats who jump on an opportunity when they see that there's success elsewhere. All right. Um, before we finish up, I want to ask you a little bit, you know, again, this is just franchise curiosity. Carvel, is it still successful? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, Carvel's a well-established system. Uh, they were acquired by another company uh, that has uh, other uh, food systems several years ago, and uh, from what I understand, what they've tried to do is, is make sure they're competitive, they're coming out with new products, uh, they sometimes try to put a Carvel in the same facility as some of their other food businesses so that they can share the expense of the real estate and uh, the other improvements. Um, they're very established on the East Coast, there's not, not as many here on the West Coast, but uh, uh, they've tried, and I think just because of the competition here in, in any business, but uh, primarily in dessert businesses, they really haven't gotten a foothold here. But you never know. It could be the next hot uh, franchise in California. 
Oh, it certainly can be. Well, we're going to take another commercial break, Barry. We're on with Barry Kurtz, the king of franchise law, and we're going to come back with the last segment in just a few minutes. So don't turn off. Stay on. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back and we're in our final segment with Barry Kurtz and we're talking very intensely about franchise law and I encourage anybody who is just tuning into the show right now to go back to the beginning on your podcast and to listen to the basics and fundamentals about um, franchise law which describes in depth, thanks to Barry, the roles of the franchisor and the needs of the franchisee and vice versa. And, um, you know, it's a very um, educational show, 
about this business, and it's a business that we look at every day as we drive to and from work, as we walk around in malls. It's all around us everywhere. Um, I want to follow up, Barry, and ask you a question. What? Who should not become a franchisee? Well, you know, uh, franchising is, is really promoted as entrepreneurial, but uh, it is in one sense and it is in, not in another sense. Um, in order to be a franchisee, you have to operate your business within the system. And most successful franchisors really dictate in a lot of different ways how the business has to be run, uh, from how the food products have to be sold, uh, with uh, what you can sell in a store, uh, just a myriad of, of rules and requirements. Uh, if, if you're not someone who can work within rules and requirements, I would say a franchise is probably not a good idea. Number two, uh, if you're going to get into a franchise, find one that you would like to be a, a business person in. Uh, if you don't want to get your hands dirty, don't buy a junk franchise. Uh, get involved in something that you will appreciate and have a passion for, uh, and you're likely to be more successful than if you get into something just because you think it's a moneymaker and don't want to get involved on a day-to-day basis. goes back to what we discussed before, too. I mean, in, you know, as a franchisee, you have to know basic business and, you know, really understand cash flow and bottom line and, you know, you know what you invest, what comes in, what goes out. It's very, very basic business. And if you are a person that doesn't want to get their hands dirty in a junk franchise, you know, it's it's not going to be pleasant for you if you have to go in and start doing it. If, um, you know, on the other hand, you really, really love um, the restaurant business and always had a dream of somehow getting involved in a restaurant business, that might be a good thing for a franchisee to choose because they might very likely have to be <laughs> doing burgers or waiting on tables, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, it's a shock to an investor system when they have to come in and clean toilets. <laughs> oh, exactly. You, you can't. And I, and I think that's really an important point in summarizing today's show. I mean, it's, it's a great business model for those who like to work because you're not starting from scratch in building a new business or launching a new brand. When you are a franchisee, you are buying everything that was successful from the franchisor's standpoint. So, but you can't, you know, you got to be willing to do it. It's, you know, it could be an investment maybe during better times, but you got to be passionate about the business you're in. I mean, it, it goes for anything that you do. A lawyer that hates law it might be better off not practicing law, and there are many of them, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, you know, it's a you know. So before, you know, considering becoming a franchisee, I think that Barry would highly recommend that it's a business that you like and a business that you're passionate about. And revisiting some of the categories that we spoke about before, it doesn't have to be the fast food business. And, Barry, you could share with the listeners some other examples. Oh, sure. Um, There are a lot of retail businesses from uh, clothing stores to pet stores to other specialty kinds of stores that are in franchising. There's also after-school golf programs, right, Barry? Absolutely. There are service businesses, uh, 
for uh, computer technology, computer servicing, education businesses, tutoring businesses, medical business? insurance businesses, medical-related businesses. Really, anything can be uh, franchised if it can be duplicated elsewhere and, and has a sound uh, business model. Are there many people in these businesses that opted for the 100% owned and, and operated model rather than the franchise formula? Uh, absolutely. Um, they are more entrepreneurial. Uh, they don't want to follow a system. They think they have better ideas and uh, or a better sense of operating. And in some cases, they very well may. You know, the first restaurant that became a franchise system was started by an entrepreneur who wanted to just do his own thing. He just was successful at it. So, um, again, you've got to make sure that you're willing to work within a system uh, before you get into a franchise. Okay, I want to ask you overall about how recessionary times have affected um, the franchisor and the franchisee, probably one more than the other, and I wanted to hear what you've noticed in terms of the trend. Well, you know, on the franchisee level, uh, whatever business they're in, generally their sales are down, and uh, that impacts them, uh, but it also impacts their franchisor because a franchisee pays the franchisor royalties uh, for the right to continue to operate the business, and if sales are down, generally royalties, which are a percentage of gross sales, are down as well. Uh, number two, um, most people don't have enough cash to build out and open a franchise business. Uh, generally, they have to borrow some of the money. They may want to use their savings to some extent, but uh, they, they, they have to get the cash elsewhere. And because of this recession uh, and the banks really drying up all of their lending sources, it's very, very difficult for franchisees to get money to build out franchises. That affects them, but it also affects franchisors because they can't sell as many franchises if the pool of uh, candidates can't get uh, money from outside sources to build out those franchises. No, okay. I, but it keeps you busy, doesn't it, Barry? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're very fortunate that we've had uh, clients for a long time. We may be doing different work during the recession than we do when things are uh, going very well. Uh, we, we've done a lot of workouts with franchisors and franchisees who've had some difficult times. Um, That's because you're a good businessman, Barry, well, and you I know how to evaluate best. a marketplace and do different things to adjust. I try my best. No, you do. Well, we're we're coming to an end of the show. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the international business models, Barry. Um, you know that I was very overwhelmed by what Yum Brands did with Kentucky Fried Chicken in China. How how do those models work? Well, generally, uh, international franchising is different than domestic franchising because it's, it's just now happening that uh, countries around the world are developing franchise laws. Uh, even those countries that have franchise laws have much different requirements than uh, domestic franchisors. So in a way, it's easier to qualify to sell franchises abroad. Uh, the biggest difference is that wise franchisors will have local partners who are established in business and have local connections to be able to uh, get uh, the approvals they need to build out their businesses. Uh, uh, the successful companies like KFC and McDonald's and Burger King, 
that are in all uh, or most of the countries of the world have some local partner there who is pretty well established who takes care of the day-to-day the relationships with the local authorities, uh, complying with empl- employment laws and whatnot. And uh, they're the ones who act as the franchisor in these uh, other countries by supervising the operators. Well, listen, them, Barry, our show has come to an end. I'm sure you don't know where the hour went, but it was a pleasure having you, Mr. Kurtz, join our hour. And this is going to become in perpetuity the franchise show, so thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. And I want everybody to have a really safe, responsible, fun holiday weekend. And until next week, this is Cindy Rakowitz, and I'm signing off for the day. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Idol. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 